Hello everyone, this is the Audience Explorer, a podcast for you as a founder or creator who wants to develop an audience for your product or service. I'm Matthias Bohlen. Hi folks, welcome to the next episode. Today my next guest is Arvid Karl. I'm pretty happy about that. He's a book author, he's a founder, a bootstrapper, all kinds of things and I'm so glad that I have you here. Good morning. Hello, hello. Nice to be here. This morning I got inspired by a new email newsletter from Rosie Sherry, the fantastic community manager of Indie Hackers. She writes a newsletter called Rosie Land. And in a new issue, she wrote an interesting paragraph about what is an audience versus what is a community. She writes, this is the magic that often people don't understand to be part of a community people want and need to be seen. Tagging people is a modern way to do this. You can also compare this to people who build an audience. They don't tag people. They seek to raise their own voices. This is why it's important to understand the difference between audience and community building. What do you think about this, Arvid? That's the whole point of the, this discussion that is currently ongoing in the entrepreneurial community. Like what is an audience even? Like what right. is audience building? What is audience first? What is audience centric? What is audience focused? Like there's so many different terms that are slightly different. And even the term that they refer to audience is not clear, at least not yeah. for me yeah. and for the people that I talk to. So I, I feel that there is this tendency for people to understand an audience as something highly passive. Like what, what Rosie mm. is currently referring to, the kind of an audience, imagine a stage, somebody, there's a musician on stage and there's a group of people just mm. listening and, and maybe clapping, showing their collective right. approval, but there's no individual voice. The only voice that you hear is actually the musician talking at the audience, right? right? And that is, I, I guess, the, the common definition of audience because it comes from the, the, the Latin word, I don't know, audio Aud or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, which just really means to listen. Yeah. And to listen, that, that's fine. But I, I feel in, in our community, what we do is somewhere between this. It's, it's somewhere between having this purely passive consuming group of people listening to everything we say and then clapping, right? Which is like the classical <laughs> idea of audience building. You create this following of people that are purely passive consumers. Then you build something for them and you throw it at them and they pay for it and you get rich. It's like the idea of audience building, right? Build it, they, they are there, and now you can sell them something, which I find is a very narrow definition of this. Because I feel with particularly that the kind of following that I'm building, I'm much more interactive with everybody that I interact, uh, that I engage with on Twitter. There is some sort of back and forth. Either they consume my stuff and they share my things, which is an act, right? They act on right. this, they do right. something, or they actually respond to it and involve me in some sort of like knowledge deriving conversation. Like they, they give me a response and I respond back. They ask me a question or they just like put a meme there and, and I put a gift there and then something comes from that, right? It's, it's still a very bi-directional kind of communication, which is more like a community, but it's still, particularly on Twitter, it's not the same. It's not a community that like you cannot go into the, the indie hacker Twitter and expect there to be like a bounded community. It's just right, an ad hoc right. community. People just interact <laughs> and that turns into a community. So I would like my definition of audience and the definition that other people have to go more into that direction, but still be something different than community. Because in the end, an audience is still about you. 
right? And and, and mm -hmm. that's maybe mm -hmm. maybe the problem that you're alluding to. Like, is it okay to mention other people? Does this take away attention from myself? Because I want this audience to grow and I want all these people there eventually to buy my, I don't know, course or workshop or book or SaaS product or whatever, right? But that's also what, what you're working on with your tool is to, to have some insight into this group of people so you can better engage them to at some point, I wouldn't even say take advantage, but allow those people to become your customers. Yep. Just have the existing infrastructure of this audience, of this community there, and then convert them into customers for your product. And what I think is that it, it should totally be allowed and it should totally be encouraged for people to involve other people in their audience building process, if you can call it audience building or community building or something mm -hmm. in between. Like maybe it's an audience community or a community audience. I don't really know <laughs> which one it would be, but right. it's, it's, it's somewhere in the spectrum because the moment you start pulling other people in a conversation, their reputation is kind of added as a tiny sliver to yours. And, and audience building is not just building this group of people, it's all, also building a reputation for yourself. It's building a personal brand, a brand as you as a founder, mm -hmm. if you are an mm -hmm. indie hacker. Like if you build an audience on Twitter, because you're selling to, I don't know, software engineers, or you're selling to other people who are on Twitter, you're building a professional brand, but you're building a tool like you're doing, right? You, you yeah, have, right. I mean, you, you are an, an example where people see both of the things at the same time, your, your personal brand and your professional brand is literally the same Twitter account, but there's people who try to split this, right? And they right, have like right. a personal account for themselves and they have this professional account for whatever service they're building. And it doesn't matter if you have two distinct accounts or one, you're still building two brands. You're building the business that you're building to help people in your community. And mm -hmm. you're building this personal brand as this amazing person that builds in public, that shares their learnings, that builds this tool for the community. So if you do this, if you try to build a personal brand, then empowering other people in the community is part of that brand. And it's part of the audience building process. You know, If you bring in people into the conversation, you benefit from that. They benefit from the conversation and the people reading this on Twitter, they benefit from the conversation too. It's like literally right. lifting everybody up at the same time. Right. So I've been doing this for, for many, many months. I've been tagging yeah, people. I, I totally admire this, people. by the way. <laughs> it's just fun. It's just super fun to to get people into a conversation because I did this earlier today. I was, I was talking about recording a podcast and I did that yesterday when I was, was talking about tools that I was using for my writing. And there's, there's always people coming in and learning something. And there is nothing better than seeing people learn something, make a, make a positive impact on their lives by just like posting something to Twitter and then seeing how they, oh my God, this is the best thing that happened to me today. This is going to revolutionize how I work. <laughs> Yesterday <laughs> was about like gram okay. Grammarly right. and, and tools that make, make like writing easier or editing. And there was like 10, 12 people that actually saw this for the first time. And now oh, they, have, really? they have something that they never thought was possible be a normal part of their daily workflow. And like if, if I hadn't involved other people and asked other people and talked to other people, if I had just like posted a really, really smart tweet, wouldn't have had that impact, wouldn't have changed people's lives. Right. And in a way that increased my audience because somebody else saw this happening and now they're following me. And now they are this interested is, in what this, I have to say. This is really interesting. I would have thought that everybody knows Grammarly, but maybe that's <laughs> not <yeah>. true. <laughs> You can you can exchange like Grammarly with every kind of tool that you use. Any person that you'll meet is at a certain point of the journey 
and it's never your point that you're at currently with right. those. So that's that's why engaging and talking on social media repeatedly and saying the same things over again is actually a viable strategy because today somebody decides to join Indie Hackers Twitter. And if the first thing that they read is a tweet that I posted that I've said 20 times before, it's still the first time for them. Right. And they right. learn something and they will follow me for that. You know, like it, everybody's on a different journey. And I think to know that means that you will be much more supportive of people who don't know things yet because we all learn all the time. And you can exactly. use that for your own brand building because obviously you can help newbies just as much as you can help people who've been in the community for ages. Amazing point of view. I'm always amazed when I see your tweets because you are um, so much focused on engaging with people. Mm -hmm. Recently recall your podcast about the Twitter strategy that you use, mm -hmm. yeah. where engagement is a really uh, number one yeah. thing uh, on the list. And it's really so it's, it's so much fun to to interact with you. So let's get one step back of it. You initially mentioned it. The definition of an audience is kind of uh, ambiguous. Everybody uh, uses the term in a different way. Yes, the Latin word, audire, listening or hearing. Yeah. It's a more or less passive thing. What do you think? Is it a good uh, idea to still use the word audience or should we invent something totally new? Or <laughs> <laughs> well, if I have those two choices, I would opt for the actual new word that we would invent because i feel okay. that like when it comes to definitions clarity beats uh, familiarity right like if you have something mm -hmm. that is that is very mm -hmm. precise and that would just be the german in me speaking because you know we have words for everything but even if they're compound words which would be actually be a good idea uh, okay. in this case you know <laughs> like something between audience and community could probably have a german compound word for that you know what that is actually a great idea i'm gonna think about that but <laughs> i If we have to use audience and we just need a better definition, because we are in a in the digital age where you are not just putting up a billboard somewhere and somebody reads it, but, but you're now immediately right. available for people to actually communicate with, then I would use the definition that I have in my book because I've been writing about this, right? Because this is the, the last month I've been every single day I've been writing about this topic, either audience building or audience discovery or audience exploration, everything about how to build uh, a future audience for yourself and your business and mm -hmm. your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so you must have a definition, right? <laughs> I have one and, and that's like really the best I could come up with because it's so hard to get this right. And I, I wouldn't claim it's right. I just would claim it's closer to what I want it to be. Let me just quote myself here. <clears throat> an audience, everyone who should be interested in you, your business and your products. That, that is my definition. should be interested. So this looks also into the future. Even and people that you... And the past. It's, it's a, yeah. Because I feel when people talk about audiences right now, they talk about the actual following that they have. Like mm -hmm. my audience at this point, I don't know, 13,000 people on Twitter. But I kind of have the feeling that this is not what I would consider my audience. That's my present, today's audience. But yeah. my audience a year from now, the people that don't know me yet, but I know they're out there, they are just as much a part of what I can conceptualize in my strategy as an audience, right? I know that mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. at least 50, if not 100,000 indie hackers somewhere in the space that I could be connected with more, that I could talk to, that I would like to reach both with my content and my book because I just want to help them, right? right. Th that is my audience. It's not my audience of today. It's, it's also the people that interacted with me in the past, but have since gone into other places. They still remember, Okay. you know, like if, if you have a SaaS business and like I, I used to run a SaaS business with my, my girlfriend and, and life partner, Danielle, we had a 
business called Feedback Panda. Uh-huh. And much has been said about this, so I'm just going to be quick about this. It was like a productivity tool for online English teachers. Danielle taught English online. She had some problems with like getting getting student feedback done every single day. We built a tool to automate that. Mm-hmm. Then we started selling it to her peers. We built this within two years from zero to $55,000 MRR and then we monthly recurring revenue. And then we sold the business to a private equity company for what I'm allowed to say is a life-changing amount of money back in 2019. <laughs> and ever since then, I've been writing and like sharing what I've learned both during that business and it's called it failed, which are businesses that I've tried to build before. So that's kind of where we come from. But the people that we sold to, the people that we sold to, not the business, but the product to our Okay. English teachers, yeah. right? They are still in, in many ways part of my audience because I am the person that r- relates to them or related to them back then with the product. And we built Yeah, you interacted with them on the, on the phone or yeah. on support calls yes. or whatever, right? Exactly. We had this little intercom chat bubble on our product. Ah, and I, yeah. I had a lot of conversations with a lot of people that I've never met that were pretty much like sitting somewhere in Texas at three o'clock in the morning, trying to teach <laughs> Chinese children to speak English through voice chat or to, to oh video. Boy. Yeah. And, and they had like, they had some trouble with a product or whatever, but we had a little conversation going and I learned about their day. I learned about their kids. We had a, a connection and these people are still part in many ways of my story and of my audience. Mm-hmm. I'm not selling to them directly obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but they were also entrepreneurs, right? These were online English teachers who were doing this as their second or often third job. Like they had a, a main job going and they were trying to sell something on Etsy. They understood what it meant to be an entrepreneur. And I, I'm now writing books for entrepreneurs. So it still connects, right? And and to me, the audience is something that is more flexible than just the people that you have currently following you on Twitter that are liking your posts. So I, I hope that that makes the term more clear because it kind of could be a community that you form around yourself, but not every audience member in your audience is part of your community. And not every community member in the community that you're in is part of your audience. So if you had a Venn diagram, That's it right, would be yeah. like a wobbly intersecting thing. <laughs> like it's uh, some of the, some is not, and then some is intersecting again. It's, it's a complicated definition to get right. So maybe we would need another term, but I don't think we're there yet. I think uh-huh. the, the the part that I found interesting, and I'm going to talk about this in, in my podcast that I just recorded earlier this morning, <laughs> is so audience first is the definition that people currently have for building an audience and then selling them something. And it's hard to change a definition that already exists. It's really hard, right? You, right. You audience you, first has become pretty well known, I think, at least in our niche here. Yeah. And, and why change something that people already understand? I mean, <laughs> right. at, at first, I was trying to, to battle this out and say, no, this is what audience first means. It's put the audience first, not build the audience first. But hey, why would I fight the community that I actually am trying to serve with this book? So I stepped back and changed, changed the name of the book in, in a oh, way why, that... Why are you- Doing this, uh, I heard about it and I didn't really get it. What was the problem and what, why are you re- renaming so, so the, the book? The problem is that the book was called Audience First from the beginning. That was, uh-huh. it's not a problem, it's just what it was, right? A year ago after I published Zero to Sold, my first book that I ever wrote, I was thinking, hey, this is fun. People seem to like my writing and they are buying my book and I get good reviews on Amazon. I should continue doing this. So okay. the, the first thing was, okay, let me get a couple more book ideas out and see which one I like most. And since in Zero to Sold, I talk a lot about the initial stages of a business. Like half the book is really the preparation for getting mm-hmm. your bootstrap mm-hmm. business off the ground. The first part of this is like building or like understanding your audience. Building, not as much. The building part, I kind of left out of Zero to Sold. And that's kind of a hint here because there was something still missing from that book, but I wouldn't want to add it 
to the already 500 page book that is zero yeah, to sold yeah so really I, a big you know, book, yeah. so i was looking into what part of zero to sold can i dive deeper into and actually give some more actionable advice zero to sold is already actionable it already tells people mm -hmm. what we did mm -hmm. but i wanted to even build a framework that people can use to to get to a result faster so I, I took the audience part because to me, like building a bootstrap business is like get your audience right, understand their critical problem, find a solution to the problem, then build a product that implements that solution. It's kind of four right. steps. Getting the first one is the most important one because if you don't get that one right, all the validation attempts later are kind of built on a very unstable on, foundation. On a right? misunderstanding, right? Yes, right. exactly. You, you have this, yeah. this assumption that you can't verify because you just thought it was right. Ah, yeah, this will be a great uh, audience for my product eventually. And then it's not. So you build a product for nobody. So that's a problem. So getting yeah. this right is essential. And that's what I looked into. So I thought, okay, what is a cool thing that I've just learned about or that I know that could describe this, this whole movement? And I thought, yeah, audience first, because it is literally the first thing you should do. But that is me. That is just my interpretation of what that means. <laughs> if you t ask another founder, what is the, the business that comes to mind when I say audience first, they look at people like Nathan Latka that built these gigantic audiences or you, Jack Butcher, right? Having a, a lot of um, people as an actual Twitter audience and then selling them something. Yeah. And the thing is, as much as I want to fight this, yeah, they're actually right. Like it's literally what audience first means is like get an audience first. It's not like wordplay stuff like I was trying to do with put your audience first, which is still kind of true, but it's not the same. So instead of trying to, to fight people on this, because I tried that on Twitter, I tried to explain <laughs> to them what I mean. Yeah. And they said, well, that's not what audience first means. And then I said, well, what what is a better word for this? And then they were like, I, I don't know. So I was trying to find a better word for this, what I meant audience first to mean. And it turns out that audience driven and audience focused and audience centric are much more specific terms that describe what I mean without mm -hmm. being overlaid mm -hmm. by this definition of what audience first already is. So I, I took that to heart. I said, okay, well then let me just not call it audience first. Let me, let me put the audience driven part in there, but you can't call it audience driven. That's boring. So I looked into what I had actually written. And here's the other part. So I had written this book. I had set out to write an audience first book. I wanted to write about audience first. So I started, I think on January 1st, I, I took what I had already as an outline for the, the last couple of months, I had created an outline for the book, mm -hmm. all the kind of topics mm -hmm. that I wanted to write about. And January 1st was the first day that I started actually writing the the, the meat of the book, like the actual, yeah. the prose. So every single day in January, I wrote. And then on, yeah, three three days ago on, on, on February 1st, I finished the book. So I, it took exactly a month to get wow. the, the book done. But I was just, I mean, I, I have a lot of time <laughs> in between <laughs> tweeting. I have nothing else to do. So I spent it on, on writing. And what came out of this process was a slightly different book. It's quite surprising. But in writing the book about audience first, I found that this audience first approach that people consider audience first is not even that interesting. Like it's something ah, that we all think so is interesting. The, the but, process of writing changed the content that you were writing. Yes. Oh, it changed the idea even. <laughs> Yes, the, the perspective on building a business, right? It, it used to be, okay, let me find these, these, all these audience-first businesses. That, that my initial idea was mm -hmm. this. I get like case studies of all these audience-first businesses, and then I go through them and I highlight what worked for them and why, which is an interesting book, but I didn't write it. 
I wrote something else. <laughs> okay. Like I wrote I wrote something that that is much more in tune with what I've been both talking about in my work, what I've been teaching my mentees, and the, what I've been doing in my consultant work is helping people find this future audience from day one. It's like helping them figure out who do I want to serve. Who do I want to empower? How can mm -hmm. I find mm -hmm. them? Where are they? How can I learn from them what they need? How can I figure out if the things that they need actually are something they have a budget for? And then how can I work with them to build a solution to their problems? And how can right. I then build this community and audience around me that will help me build this and will help me sell this? And, and that is a totally different approach than build some sort of audience and then sell them an ebook, right? It's, yeah, it's, this, it's is, a, this is not the case, right? Completely so. different approach. And I learned this in just writing about this, going through my outline and figuring out, oh yeah, there's actually this process of embedding yourself in the community. And that's what the book finally ended up being titled, The Embedded Entrepreneur. That's the name of the book oh, now. Because, the Embedded Entrepreneur. Because that's much closer to what the book is about about embedding yourself in a community, learning, observing, and engaging with people to understand their critical problems, find a solution with them, and build a business out of this, which to me is much more exciting than building a, a random audience of anybody and then trying to sell them something. Because it's a I, validated, from the first moment, you validate every single step because either you are in the community, you see what people talk about, like you, you see the people that you eventually are going to be ending up selling to, right? They are right yeah. there, literally complaining about stuff in their work in the communities that they engage with each other with. So that, that step by step approach to me is always much better for bootstrap and self-funded businesses because we need to make sure that our business works out. We're not, we don't have the luxury of like VC funding where we could just say, ah, let's try yeah. and see where this let's goes. Let's try have for a couple five million. years and then we'll <laughs> yeah, see, right? right? So I'm going to spend like, <laughs> what, 20 million a year? That's not going to happen, yeah. right? You're going to spend like 200 euros or bucks, uh, dollars a month if yeah. you are, uh, you're like savvy on, on saving all over the place because you don't have the money. You're self-funded and a self-funded business better work from the beginning Otherwise, you're going to be in debt or you're going to have like, trouble surviving financially. So to me, this is a much more interesting approach, hence the name. The Embedded Entrepreneur was it building an audience-driven business, I think. That's the, the current work in progress. Ah, okay. Um, so you put the... audience something into the subtitle so, yes, so that the, the it really becomes clear business. what the book is about. Okay. Because I, <laughs> and that's the other thing. That's the amazing thing about being embedded in a community and getting immediate feedback. There was a couple developers yesterday just telling me, hey, embedded, is that is that related to embedded software? Systems? Like, is this yeah. about like the Arduino or something? And I was like, yeah. Haha, no, it's not. But that is a, a very specific niche within my audience that might misunderstand that. But I was thinking, hey, if they understand it, then it's great. If they misunderstand it, they should look at the subtitle before buying the book. Mm -hmm. And if they if they find it intriguing because it reminds them of something, but it's different than what they already know, even better, then they're going to read it with much more interest yeah, because they want to find out what it is. Also so, yeah. great, right. So that, that happened. And that happened like over the last three days just by really engaging with my community. I asked the people that were already in my following and outside of it, what do you think it is? What is the, the word that made most sense? I had a poll actually with all these terms. And yeah, result, I saw that. You're right. It, it's hilariously yeah. inconclusive. Like when I asked people, what is this? And I said, like, embedding yourself into an audience or into a group of people, learning about their problems and building it with them and building a following, which one of these four terms, audience centric, audience first, audience driven, or audience driven focused, or audience, something. Yeah. Yeah. Like all of these terms. And it was like, 
completely split, like 30% here, 20% here, 30% here, 20%. People are very confused about this. Okay. It's, it's just, it's what it is. Like, I, I have to deal with this. So I took that term, put it in the subtitle and put a much more interesting and thought-provoking term in the title that is less polarizing. I, I just wanted it to be less polarizing. I didn't want anybody ah, to buy the mm -hmm, book and mm -hmm. say, hey, I thought this was about audience first. But you're not talking about audience first. Rawr, one star yeah. review. I didn't want that <laughs> because I, I want I don't want the people that buy my my stuff to be surprised in a bad way. I want them to be surprised in a good way, right? And, and that is right. just yeah. That's where that ended up. So yeah, I I was trying to I, I leaned into my community and into my existing audience by by just saying, okay, you don't seem to understand what I'm trying to say. Let me change how I speak to you. Really yeah, that's that's really practicing what you preach, right? You you put your audience in the in the front and center and say, hey, hey, how would you say it? How would you yes. do it? And what really I find helps. particularly interesting is that this word first can be interpreted in many different ways, and the traditional way interpreting it in terms of time, yeah. the the audience has to exist first, is kind of uh, not consequential it, it's it's not needed i think it's, it can be this way or the other way it can be, the the uh, audience can be there or can be not there and you, you know like as a german it would be so much easier in our language right we have to ask which means the temporal kind of version yeah, first right. and then we have vorrangig which means like first in a sense of priority so yeah. we could already use different words for the same kind of notion and in english it's the same word and that's the confusing part it's just overlapping <laughs> right. definitions of a word so I'm, i'm just stepping away from from this kind of battleground because I, i i right. first off i'm not a native english speaker so anything that comes to my mind is colored by my perception of the word i i learned to speak english like i don't know in school long after i spoke german so the, the the kind of notions that i have with the english language are different from many first native english speakers so not going to go there anyway. Just going to use no, another term. It's not yeah, necessary. It's, I, I think it's important. And that's that's what I've been both writing and, and uh, doing my podcast about this week to understand that we are in an industry that doesn't have well-defined terms just yet. I, I kind of make the comparison to to, to opera in, in my, my newsletter and, and the podcast. And if you if you talk to opera singers and you mention like an Italian term that is specific to something in the, the music space, that they use for for opera because it has been used for like four or five centuries it's crystal clear what it means there's no question yeah, about what no what misunderstanding at all yeah because everybody gets taught the same definition the the people who do this professionally for decades they use it the exact same way there is no doubt about what it could mean but if you look into the digital entrepreneurial space we don't know what a market is We don't know what demand is. We don't know <laughs> oh, what an boy. audience is. Yeah. We don't know what a user or a customer is. We don't even know yeah. what a service is. Like these terms, every single founder you will meet will have an, a unique definition of all these terms. Unless they went to like a, a grad school and got an MBA. And, and still the, the MBA definition that they learn at school is going to be completely thrown out of the window the moment they start their own business because all of a sudden it doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. And I feel yeah. as, as enjoyable as it is to fight with people on the internet, Uh, to uh, to have this little conversation about like the, the epistemology oh no yeah even that right like the philosophical um, meaning of words and the etymology of where the words words come from it it's not it doesn't it shouldn't happen like we we have better things to do <laughs> in, in to spend our, our time with yeah. and to spend our time like fighting over definitions but we are in a very flux like in a flux state when it comes to definitions right it, it's very fluctuating 
mm-hmm. what people said about like audience first. I looked into this because I was I was I was enraged. I was, I was super <laughs> raging about how how do I why do I have to change the name of my book? And it was like after I already made the choice, right? Like now I spent so much time thinking about this, and now I kind of have to change it. But it's it's fine. It's what like iterating is, right? You change. But I looked into this. I looked at Google Trends. I'm trying to find out when people actually started using audience first a lot. And I, mm-hmm. I tried to search for audience first in the meaning that it has now as building an audience and then selling them something. The first articles about this were coming up in 2017. And the first interest oh, in the term it's itself recent. was in 2015 is when it started like actually taking off. Like We've been talking about this for five years. That is nothing, right? And we no, have such no. strongly held positions already on what it means. And and then compare this to bel canto in, in, in the opera language, which has been around for like 300, 400 years. And people are, are completely um, <laughs> clear what that means. And we talk about market and demand. It's the bootstrapping. Yeah, it's, like the term bootstrapping is now right? supposedly not to be used anymore because it's self-funded. And oh man, it's, it's just that we are very, very, it's a young industry. Yeah, we are a really young industry. Terms are as well. So I feel we should fight less and try to to be more precise together. But maybe the the fight is the way to making change. I I don't know. I'm just, I stepped out of it and I tried to make the book better for the people that should be reading us. And I I think actually that has been quite a successful couple of days for me. A lot of growth internally dealing with this, like dealing with the (laughs) fact that I was running on the wrong name for a year. Kind of, it hurts the ego, right? I'm trying to suppress any kind absolutely, of absolutely, absolutely. It must be a change for the ego. <laughs> it is, but but it's also a good one. It's like being able to learn from your community and seeing the positivity that comes out of being heard. Like the mm-hmm. people that suggested this, that suggested changing it, that gave me alternatives, and that that helped me find a new name. When I actually went there and took a new name, the positivity that came back, the encouragement, the motivation that I got from just seeing people saying, oh, thank you for listening. That I, I actually had it. That's sorry, amazing. Sorry for going on all these tangents, but it's just coming to me. I had a conversation on Twitter in a DM. Somebody sent me a message and he was saying, uh, he, he was saying, I've been listening to what you were saying for a year now. And the conversation that you had today finally made it click what you meant. Like this oh, public boy. conversation okay. about what it means to be an audience first founder. He f- finally understood what I meant with this because of the, the conversation that we were having. He was super grateful because all of a sudden the concepts that he built around this in his mind, they all started to click and he now understood uh-huh. what his I know that moment. Right. I recognize right? that moment. And and that conversation just lifted my spirit. It's like, ha, I might have changed my name for the book, but I changed somebody's perspective today. And that is much more enticing and, and encouraging than anything else ever could be. So it, it's a win-win for, for everybody involved. Wow. This iterating and changing. I had a, a similar experience this week when I had talked to, to more of my users. Get the audience is a, is a SaaS product, just briefly to say, it, uh, to explain it for our listeners, that allows people to understand Twitter audiences as a group. The most frustrating thing, I think, of Twitter is you go there, you see lots of tweets and you see lots of people, but you don't see anything about the relationships between the two. So I wrote a tool that allows you to understand and explore audiences. And the lady whom I was talking to, she said, 
Why do you focus so much on uh, entrepreneurs and creators like book writers, podcasters, etc.? And she said, why don't you go, for example, for community managers? Because they have the problem every day. Mm -hmm. A founder or entrepreneur has the problem only on one day. Mm -hmm. And I thought, hmm, this might be an idea. What would I have to change? And I found out I would have to change the landing page. I would have to change the software because it's talking about entrepreneurial stuff. Mm -hmm. I would have to change the podcast. Even the pre-recorded intro and the pre-recorded <laughs> outro of my podcast talk about a certain audience. And so on. So changing is quite hard uh, for even two words, the, the yeah. most definitions for my audience. It's kind of frustrating, but I think if you did it, and in your case, you perfectly did it, you found a new language. It's, it's an amazing development. It's a very we, positive thing. We have to Yeah, I, I think learning to deal with the sunk cost fallacy thing, like you have yeah, already yeah. invested so much. But yeah, if you want to get better, then you just invest more. <laughs> like it's really <laughs> like you just continue working, right? That, that the the idea, I guess, in the end, is to build something that will like, generate income for you or that will generate like opportunities for you. So that is that is a future thought. But right now, to get to that point, you still need to make changes and to work on whatever you're working on. So I feel. I I have I am also reluctant to change these things. Like imagine I would need to rename my my podcast or anything. Probably wouldn't, or I would just start a new one. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or like get, find a way to to keep one going and then do something else. But yeah, I, I I feel I feel what you're saying. Like the the fact that you you have already built a particular audience for the tool, and you now notice that you need to extend it to another audience yeah. as well. That, that is gonna be kind of frustrating, but at least you have a tool to find that audience. So that's kind of useful, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> right, I could yeah. use my own tool to find that, that new audience, yeah. I mean, th Next thing would deal. be uh, uh, social media managers. The lady also said, imagine the social media team of Red Bull, they yeah. could use it. And yeah. I thought, oh, wow, that's a, an enterprise stuff. That's a B2B stuff suddenly. This would be totally different. Yeah. How would I do that? Oh, so that Yeah, the the, yeah. the interesting part here, when when you when you think about this, is specificity, because the, the, you built this tool for entrepreneurs, right? You built this right. particularly with the problems of an entrepreneur in mind, which logically means that if you do it for somebody else, you would need to change the tool because it's such a specific tool for this particular industry. So right. the moment you you start building this tool so that multiple people can use it, it loses this particular specificity. It loses the the kind of connection to the to your audience because right. you, you need to make it possible for everybody to use it for whatever purpose they might have. Because if you if you actually end up selling to the Red Bull social media team, well, I, I wouldn't yeah, rule it out that they immediately come and ask you for integration into Facebook, integration into LinkedIn, yeah. integration into, <laughs> right. you know, like building something that they can use for every single one of their problems. And Now your specific Twitter-focused entrepreneurial audience discovery tool turns into this generic, completely social media all over the place audience insight, yeah, of which there are quite a few already. You know? Yeah. So is that even something you want? It's always an important question when you are looking at the pivot. Like I, I relating this back to to my experience, I guess I changed the name of my book because I wanted to make sure that my existing audience does not get confused. That to be more yeah, specific. that's a different point. Yeah, that's a different point. You, you are broadening up your SaaS because you think you could serve other people. You also dilute the intentionality and the connection that you have to your audience. It's a it's a balance you need to strike, right? You right. need to, to be 
considerate of at all times. I, I'm currently reluctant to do that because I, mm. I thought, hey, I've, I have this wonderful people who follow me on Twitter, actually, and I, who I have, whom I have a conversation with. Yeah. And suddenly I would, would be forced to talk to totally different people with totally different problems. So hmm, I'm a little hes hesitant to do this. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting to figure it out. I mean, you can always dip your, your toes into that audience, into this community and learn about how they would use it, how they are using existing solutions and what they have problems with because like the thing is the more information you have about this the easier the choice is going to be right? It's, right it's easier to actually look into the community first before you commit to actually building a tool out for that particular community so it would be an interesting thing that then again you're only one person and you already have the podcast you already have the tool and you're yeah. building in public quite intensely so why will you take that time right because that, that's <laughs> yeah another hour a day spent like scouring twitter and online forums for information so yeah that that is also part of the equation like that uh, having the time to focus on whatever niche you're currently serving yep that's gonna be fun <laughs> yeah absolutely let's get to your book uh, finally what's the current status of it how far have you come and what do you want to do next so so i i wrote the book yeah within, within a month after having collected all kinds of headlines for chapters in my outline the outline was mm -hmm. a, the notion mm -hmm. document which is really a nested structure of this is the first part audience discovery second part audience exploration learning from the inside and then problem discovery within the community and finally audience building creating this kind of brand and following uh -huh. so that's like four parts to the book and i initially when i started the whole project i really set up a, a wordpress blog and told people what it's going to be at back then it was audiencefirst.link. I mean, the site still exists. Uh, I had two pages there. I, well, I had the front page and two, two other pages. One was a page where people could sign up to become an alpha reader to read the first uh -huh. draft. And the other page was where people could just send me a little message about what they want to read in the book. And I would put it in the book like a little content list about all the things that they wanted to see. Ah, in okay, book. good idea. So, so the questions they have and so on, right? From that list, I created my outline. And then I wrote the book in, in the whole of January 2021, because what are you going to do if you're stuck inside with a lockdown anyway? So I wrote the book. And now I'm at the point where I'm doing one final editing pass. I'm going through the book essentially with Grammarly and the, the Hemingway app, and just trying to figure out like what are my grammatical errors, what are my typos, and get them out so people can actually read a book. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to send it to my alpha audience. I have an email list of, at this point, 400-something readers that are interested in helping me with this book. Wow. I'm going to set up a, a tool um, that allows people to comment on the book, something like a Google Doc or you know something comparable to that, where people can just give me their insights. If they have questions, they can put the question to a particular chapter or whatever in there and just tell me what the problem is. I'm going to send that out to the community for a month or so. Maybe I'm going to stagger it into two uh, groups of two weeks. I don't know. I'm going to uh -huh. do that later once, once I'm done with my first editing pass. And then I'm going to take what people tell me work that into the book, get to an actual editor, like get a professional editor to go through the, the stage mm -hmm. and edit the book again. Then I'm going to have a beta reader phase where there's going to be a couple of weeks where people can just read the book for review purposes or if they are interested and in giving me their final feedback. And then I'm going to release it, publish it, self-publish it. That's that's the plan at this point. So okay. The first draft is kind of the, the rough thing that I wanted to communicate. It, it's already a book. It's like 53,000 um, words. It's like 250 uh -huh. page book, kind of a regular, like two centimeters, one inch kind of uh, book. 
But yeah, now I'm going, going through kind of quality control, but I'm doing editing with the people that are actually going to read it, which is the whole point of this alpha reader stage, right? I have these 400 right. people that would be my customers and will be my customers for the book. And they're going to be able to read the book, tell me what they think, problems, ideas, something that I got wrong or something that I could add. And then I'm going to shout them out in the book. They're going to get a little chapter where all their names are going to be in there, you know, like involving people in <laughs> the book. Nice. That's the whole nice. point is that it's a book about embedding yourself into your community. So I need to be part and involve my community in the book itself, right? It's an mm -hmm. audience first mm -hmm. book about audience first. That was the initial idea. So involving the audience from the, from the start, which it did. Yeah. So I'm going to see where this leads. I'm, I'm just going to try and finish the editing as quickly as possible so I can get it out there and see what people think. Ah, cool. I'm very happy that I signed up for this alpha list too. So I'm one of those 400 something. Yeah. That's <laughs> so going to be good. I'm quite happy about that. Cool. Arvid, this was a blast of a talk. I really enjoyed mm -hmm. it. So I think we'll close for, for today now. Our conversation will surely continue on Twitter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's because I like it so much. So thanks for being here. It was really fantastic. Yeah, thanks so much for what you're doing for the, the audience-driven movement, let me call it that, so, so audience <laughs> first, focusing on on allowing people to like build an audience, understand, get an audience, and really get insights that they otherwise would not have and build a worse business around. So I'm really happy to see what you're doing. And thanks for getting me on the show. Like The other episodes that I listened to were already great, so thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Audience Explorer podcast today. You can find me on Twitter at GetTheAudience and you can check out the blog at GetTheAudience.com. If you have any questions about this episode, reach out to me on Twitter or send an email to Matthias at GetTheAudience.com. If you want to support this podcast, please leave a rating in your favorite podcast player app. This will help other founders or creators to find this podcast about developing an audience for their product or service. Thank you very much for listening and see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.